I want to begin by thanking you for praying for me. As you know, I injured my knee a few weeks ago, and through your prayers, uh, it has healed very quickly, uh, and I'm in the process of going through physical therapy. Uh, One of the benefits of wearing a knee brace uh, is that people have been especially nice to me. Uh, I only have to wear it for three and a half more weeks, but I may choose to wear it a bit longer. I have been offered seats. I have been given free upgrades on the airplane so I can stretch out my leg. I can even go stand in the PWD lines, the person with disability lines, and get service much faster. I've been able to get my children to run personal errands for me, uh, for them to bring me this and to bring me that. Now, I probably could do it myself. But it's nice when they do things for you without complaining because they feel sorry for you. However, the only one I don't get real special treatment from and attention from is my wife. I think she's on to me. She knows that I can do many of the things I ask her to do for me. And I've, in my pitiful state, have asked her, don't you care about what I'm going through? Where is the special TLC I should receive from you? And she listed all the things she did for me. Cook, clean, put on my socks, put on my shoes, accompany me to the doctor's appointment, etc., And she told me, I may not spoil you so that you can recover faster. And I may not answer all of your requests, but I care for you in ways you do not see. And that last phrase resonated with me this week as she said those words. I care for you in ways you do not see. You know, when we talk about God's care of us as believers, many of us often doubt whether he cares for us or not. We think that he cares for us only when he answers our prayers according to our will. We think he only cares for us when he has shown us through tangible ways, visible ways that he does significant things in our lives and intercedes on our behalf in our lives. That's when we say he cares for us. What we have forgotten is that God often cares for us in ways we do not see. What we have forgotten is that he often works in ways we do not see, in areas of our lives that we may not find significant or perhaps take for granted. However, this is what we want to take a look at this morning as we continue our series entitled Alone But Not Alone, Learning to See the Handprints of God. And we want to see this morning the handprint of God's care. How does God evidence his handprints of care? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 as we exposit verses 1 to 15. 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 1 to 15 as we see three unique handprints of God's care that we perhaps normally may not associate with God caring for us. Look with me at verse 1 and 2 of chapter 18. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. Finally, after three years of famine and hiding from Ahab, God tells Elijah to go and present himself before the evil king Ahab because the time of the drought from the Lord 
is to end. If you remember, the Lord cut off rain from the people of Israel because of their disobedience as they began to worship Baal instead of the one true God, Yahweh. They were led by the evil king Ahab and his even crazier evil wife Jezebel who tried to replace the worship of the one true God, Yahweh, with the false god, Baal. And so as punishment, God caused the rain to cease. Look what happens in verse 3 and verse 4. And Ahab had called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For so it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and had fed them with bread and water. We find out that evil King Ahab had a very trusted chief of staff named Obadiah. This is not the same Obadiah who wrote a book in the Bible in the Minor Prophets. We are told that this man, the right-hand man of Ahab, is a devout follower of the one true God, Yahweh. And while evil Queen Jezebel is busy massacring the prophets of God, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them two in two caves, fifty in each cave, and provided food and water for them. What a huge risk on the part of Obadiah to go against the very evil dealings of the queen who attempted to persecute all those who did not believe in Baal. Now, it's easy, as you would think, to hide one or two people. But imagine trying to hide 100 people in two different locations to provide logistics for them. And yet no one could do it except only, perhaps, the chief of staff, the one who ran the royal household of Ahab, a man whom God has uniquely placed in that position, the God-fearing Obadiah. You see, when we talk about the handprints of God's care, the first thing we want to notice, the first thing that evidences God's handprint of care is God's perfectly positioned people. If you're taking notes, that's number one. God's perfectly positioned people. You see, God has uniquely placed men and women all around this world of every generation in unique and key positions to do what? To help his people. We think of Nehemiah of old who was the cupbearer to the king. We think of people like Esther, who the Bible says was raised to a position for such a time as this. God has raised men and women, has uniquely positioned them, perfectly placed them all around this world, even here in our country, in our municipality, to do what? To care for his people. That is an evidence of his handprint, if only we're looking through the right lenses. When I think about Obadiah, I think of someone like Arena Sendler. She lived uh, in the time of the Nazi takeover of Europe in World War II. She was like Oskar Schindler, if you are familiar with his story, but often she is unrecognized. When Hitler and the Nazis built the Warsaw Ghetto, which was an encampment uh, to try to trap and herd 
500,000 Polish Jews behind its walls so that they would be in one place as they awaited liquidation, meaning they would be killed. Many Polish men and women turned their backs on their Jewish brethren and applauded what the Nazis were doing. But not Irina Schindler. An unfamiliar name to most people, but this remarkable woman defied the Nazis and saved 2,500 Jewish children by smuggling them out of the Warsaw Ghetto. How did she do that? You see, she was uniquely positioned by God as a health worker to have access into the Warsaw Ghetto. And from 1942 to 1943, she snuck children out to bring them to safe hiding places and found non-Jewish families to adopt them. God uniquely positioned a woman like this in the most evil of times and the most evil of places to show forth his handprint of care. People like Irina Schendler and countless others like Obadiah of old are evidences of his handprint of care as they are perfectly positioned by God. I wonder if sometimes maybe some of you have been uniquely called by God to serve in a particular position to be the handprint, the evidence of his handprint of care to the world around you. As I look through the lenses of God's handprint of care, I see people who have come in and out of my life perfectly positioned for a time such as when I needed them. Many years ago, I was in the Bureau of Immigration, the BI, processing my renaturalization papers uh, to reacquire my Filipino citizenship years back. Now, the process is uh, was replete with many issues, especially dealing with the difficulties of tracing my father's citizenship to prove that I was indeed a natural-born citizen. I had to trek all the way to the National Archives to dig information like this up. Anyways, I had refused to pay under the table to get this done. And so I was very prepared for a very long and arduous process, which I heard it would be. I prepared almost a two-inch pile of documents and brought them to the B.I., and sure enough, I waited a very long time to be called. Somehow, it's related. How much you pay them is how quickly you get called. As my waiting stretched into the lunch break, I happened to see a woman during her lunch break reading her Bible, one of the employees at the BI. You know me, I am an extrovert. I like to talk to people. And so I came over and I commended her and I asked her, you must be a born-again believer. She said to me, how did you know? I told her, I see you reading the Bible, and I know it's not for show. You are actually really reading it. Her name was Arlene. She asked what I did. I told her I was a pastor. And she told me, Pastor, you know, it's really hard to be a Christian here at the BI. I said to her, I'm sure it must be very difficult. She asked me as we chatted what I was here for and if I needed any help. And I explained to her my difficult situation. And it turned out that she was the first screener of the paperwork that would be submitted to the BI. 
She had been recently transferred there only a few days before in that very important position to help with the front lines of the applications at the BI. She looked at my papers. She said, I will help you with this very difficult case. I went no less than 10 times back to the BI. And every time I went back, she was there. I remember her because she shepherded me through the entire process, in and out of the lawyer's offices of the BI, from the director's office to others. And after eight months, I finally got the papers I needed. And when I received it in the mail, I went back to the BI to thank her. When I got there, I found out that she was no longer around. In fact, they told me she had been transferred. I asked her when she was transferred. And when I looked at the date, I realized she was transferred a few days after I received my approval document. When I think about Arlene, I think about God's perfectly positioned people. One who was transferred right into the department right when I submitted my application. One who was transferred out right after my application was completed. If you cannot see the handprint of God's care in that story, then I don't know if you'll ever be able to see the handprint of God's care in your life. All the people that have come to help you, do you see them as God's handprint of care? For those 100 prophets of God who feared for their life, they saw the handprints of God's care in the person of Obadiah. And today, take courage in every institution, in every government agency, in every place on this planet Earth, God has perfectly positioned men and women who fear Him so that He can evidence His handiwork of care. And it's exciting to be able to meet them. Verse 5 and verse 6. And Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go, into the lands, to all the springs of water, and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive, so that we will not have to kill the livestock. And they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. Notice that the drought had killed pretty much off all the vegetation. So Ahab and his men were desperately looking for grass, to keep the animals alive. What a sad commentary on the leadership of Ahab that his primary concern is for his animals and not for the well-being of his people. So to find much-needed grass to feed the livestock, Ahab had suggested to Obadiah to split up. Each of them would take a group of people to search for grass to feed the flock. And so they went their separate ways. Look what happens, verse 7 and 8. Now Obadiah was on his way. Suddenly, Elijah met him. And he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go, tell your master, Elijah is here. Of all the people Obadiah runs into, he runs into Elijah the one everyone is looking for. It's a bit comical, I'm sure. 
Everyone is looking for Elijah. He is the most wanted man in Israel. And then he basically shows up out of nowhere and he says, here I am. This is no chance encounter. God has orchestrated that Obadiah would meet Elijah. God did not orchestrate for Elijah to meet the other party, which was headed by King Ahab. One wonders what would happen if Elijah had met the other party, what Ahab would have done with him. And here in these few verses, you see the second evidence of God's handprint of care. Number two, you see it in God's orchestrated divine encounters. Number two, God's orchestrated divine encounters. There are no chance meetings in life. Every person you meet, every person you interact with, every circumstance and situation you go through is an orchestrated divine encounter to show you that God cares for you. You know that person who encourages you when you need it at that moment? That wasn't a coincidence. That was God's orchestrated divine encounter to show you His care. How about the one who gives you the perfect advice right when you need it? That's God's orchestrated encounter. Those are all handprints of His care. It's like those times every week when someone comes and tells me, Pastor, I was blessed by the message. It was perfect for what I was going through. But what they don't know is that the Bible passages are assigned and planned months in advance. If something like this occurs, it is not because of luck. It is not because of coincidence. It is because God's handprint is all over your life in how he orchestrates divine encounters. One of my uncles can testify to this. One of my uncles was on his way from the U.S. back to Manila through San Francisco. While on the airplane, he happened to sit next to a doctor, specifically a cardiologist. On the U.S. domestic segment flight, as he was flying into San Francisco, he had a cardiac episode, a cardiac arrest. And who was sitting right next to him? A very famous cardiologist who performed life-saving procedures to save him as the pilot declared a medical emergency to get first clearance to land the plane at SFO. While recovering at a San Francisco hospital next to the airport, it was told to him, that if he had had this cardiac episode later on in the second leg of his flight, the Trans-Pacific flight from San Francisco to Manila, he would have died because there was no way to land the plane. That's God's handprint of care in his orchestrated divine encounters of all people to sit next to him, a cardiologist, a very famous one at that. When you go through life wondering the people you encounter with, people you meet, people, the situations that happen in your life, do you remark, wow, I'm so lucky, what a coincidence? Or do you remark, thank you, God, for showing me 
your handprint of care. Look at verse 9 to verse 11. So Obadiah said to Elijah, How have I sinned that you are delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he is not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. Look at the response of Obadiah when Elijah asks him to present him before King Ahab. Let me summarize verses 9 to 11 in three words. Obadiah said to Elijah, are you crazy? That's basically what he was saying. Why would you pick me of all people to tell Ahab that you are here? He will kill me. I will reveal myself as the one who fears God. Don't you know that he hates you? He hates you with a passion. He has been sending people to hunt you down. And he is so bent on hunting you down when he could not find you in Israel. He sent people to look for you in the surrounding countries. And in fact, he has approached the royal officials of those surrounding countries and made them swear and take an oath that they are not hiding or harboring you. Can you imagine a nation signing a treaty with another nation to say you're not hiding someone? That's the extent of how much Ahab hated Elijah and how desperate he was to look for him. If Elijah was sarcastic, you know, he could have said something like this. What do you mean you can't find me? I've been basically living exposed next to a stream by the plains of Gilead. And then I moved to the second floor guest room of a widow who lived in the center of the worship of Baal. I was basically living in the land of the enemy. You couldn't find me? But Elijah could have gone on and said, you couldn't find me because God's handprint of care was seen in his secure, protective custody. And that's number three. God's secure, protective custody evidences his handprint of care. Elijah was under the custody of God. And therefore, it was God's responsibility to take care of Elijah. You know, a lot, unfortunately, a lot of people use objects, many things, to protect them. They think it will bring for them safety and protection. They use amulets. They use charms. I know some that uses pieces of paper that have been blessed by a false god and they carry it in their purses and their wallets thinking that somehow that piece of paper will protect them. Some people even use religious symbols to protect them. They even use crosses 
My friends, crosses do not protect you. You can have a thousand crosses in your house. It will not provide protection. Because the one who protects us is the one who lives in us. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, lives in you. And he guarantees that you are under God's secure, protective custody. As children of God, and we call him Heavenly Father, he is responsible to take care of us. He is responsible to protect us. And we can remind God of that. And we should, if it brings hearts to be assuaged from fear. God, you are responsible to care for me. I am under your custody. Help me. You see, I've said this many a times. Nothing happens to you that God does not allow. And it's biblical. It comes from one of my favorite verses from Lamentations chapter 3, verse 37. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 37. Who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission? Isn't that great? What a great verse. Lamentations 3.37, who can command things to happen without the Lord's permission. Nothing happens that God does not allow. We are under his protective security detail. We are in his custody. And that's why they could not find Elijah. Verse 12 to 14. And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you, Obadiah says that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. So when I go and tell Ahab, and he cannot find you, he will kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Was it not reported to my Lord what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid 100 men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go, tell your master, Elijah is here. He will kill me. You know, Obadiah is worried that when he presents Elijah before King Ahab, that somehow God in his protection of Elijah would whisk him away when there was danger. And that would leave poor Obadiah all by himself, exposed now as a follower of Yahweh. And in a bit of an excuse, perhaps, Obadiah reminded Elijah, didn't they tell you? that I've been a faithful, God-fearing man since I was young. Haven't I already done my part? I hid 100 prophets of God from crazy Jezebel. But you know, in this statement, Obadiah answers his own concern. You see, these 100 prophets were not really under Obadiah's protective custody. They were under God's protective custody. And that's why they were safe. Obadiah should have understood that he wasn't the protector. He was the protected. And this subtle shift of truth, if you are to understand it in your life, will lead to very profound life-transforming applications. We are not the protectors. We are the protected. God protected Obadiah 
in his secure custody. Because as chief of staff in the worst, to the worst pagan king of Israel, he wasn't protecting others. God's umbrella of protection was upon him. That's how he could function as he, did, as he did, as one who was protected. That's how we see God's handprint of care when we know that we are in his secure, protective custody. I'm reminded of the great hymn, Under His Wing. It's a wonderful hymn. We've sung it at our church. And I was reminded this week of the third verse. You know the song well. And the third verse of Under His Wing goes something like this. Under His Wing... Oh, what precious enjoyment. There will I hide till life's trials are over. Sheltered, protected, no evil can harm me. Resting in Jesus, I'm safe evermore. And then the chorus goes, under his wing, under his wing. What a great line. Sheltered, protected, no evil can harm me. Resting in Jesus, I'm safe evermore. Do you believe that truth? Because that is the truth of the evidence of his handprint of care. I am not worried if someone places a curse on me. I am not worried if someone puts a charm or a hex. Because they do not take effect on a child of God. And you should not be worried about it as well. I know in our culture, in our Chinese-Filipino culture... It is seeped in this tradition that if someone puts a charm or a hex or a curse on you, you've got to find someone even more powerful to counteract that charm or hex or curse. You, as followers of Jesus Christ, one who has been saved by his shed blood, one who is called his child, should never have to worry. They can put a thousand hexes on you. They take no effect. No evil can harm me. Resting in Jesus, I'm safe evermore. And that's why the psalmist wrote in Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under, what is that word? The shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Protection does not come from an object. Protection comes from a person. I love the imagery of the psalmist. We are under the shadow of the Almighty. The great protective care of God envelops us. He puts His hand around us. Nothing can harm us that God does not allow. That is His handprint of care. And that's why in your cars, you don't need to put a little good luck charm. All you have to do is to say a word of prayer. Lord, protect us as we go on this trip. And he is there providing protection. We are under the shelter of the shadow of the Almighty. Our trust is in a person. When someone is being harmed physically or they're being hurt, they are taken by the authorities into what is called protective custody. It is the surest human place of safekeeping where you are kept from all harm under the protective custody of a human authority. 
But there is a better place and a more secure place, and that is under the protective custody of the divine authority that is our Heavenly Father. And I think Elijah understood this truth, that he was the protected. And that's why he says defiantly, the declaration in verse 15, look with me. Then Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts live before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. Elijah says, I don't mind standing before Ahab because really I stand not before him. I stand before the Almighty. I stand before the living God. The truth of the knowledge that God's handprint of protection and care is seen in the truth of his protective custody allows us to stand before the world and boldly proclaim that we serve a risen Savior. Because we do not stand before the world to confront it. In actuality, we stand in front of the Almighty God, the living God, the one true God, and we are simply doing His bidding under the shadow of the Almighty. Sometimes, Truth lived out simply has to be resolved to live out. I can't force you to trust in God's protective custody. Whether you trust in it or not, it is there. But how much better is it in our life as we live this life when we can claim the promises of God, when we can believe that? It gives us great peace of mind. Elijah says, I'm not afraid of Ahab because I stand before the living God. So too, as we enter into the world, I'm not afraid of the world because I stand before the living God. And knowing that we are under his care, his custody, everyday evidence is for us, his care. And because Elijah and Obadiah saw God's handprint of care in his perfectly positioned people, in his orchestrated divine encounters, in his secure protective custody, both of them do as God has instructed. Obadiah will announce the coming of Elijah to Ahab. And Elijah will confront Ahab, as we will see in two weeks. So to your life, brothers and sisters. God has surrounded you with people to help you. God has appointed divine encounters to encourage and help you. And the truth of knowing that you are in his custody, these are vivid examples of the handprints of his care. If you're still looking for more handprints, there is one. The greatest handprint of his care is seen on the cross when he died for us. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God would die in our place, how can we ever question whether God cares for us or not? God's handprints are all over your life every day. Do you see it? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word.
Thank you for the truth to be reminded again that you care deeply for us. Help us never to question whether you care for us or not. You did and you do because you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on our behalf. And a God who does not care for us would never send his own son to die so that we might receive salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your handprints of care. And as we know that our Heavenly Father cares for us, we can stand in the gap. We can confront the world with boldness. Like Elijah of old, we can stand before the world and proclaim Jesus Christ with our lives and with our mouth because really we stand before the Almighty God. May the reminder of your care challenges us to transform the way we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.